Anybody else feeling scattered these days? <laughs> Maybe a little on edge once in a while? Man, these are, these are uh, interesting days. And we aren't the first ones to feel that way. And what is God thinking about us when we're going these, through these days? Is he, is he getting impatient with us, thinking, man, you guys know the truth. You know, uh, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Let's get through this together, you know? Or is he feeling what, what many of us are feeling even this week? Maybe this week wasn't your best week. Maybe you had a great week. I don't know. But uh, this morning, God has a word for us, and I hope you're encouraged too. Um, so the last, uh, until this last six months, when I talked to people through a window holding a phone, they were usually wearing orange on the other side of the window. You know what I'm talking about? I've had some friends where I've gone into that place, and I'm glad that we can talk to each other, and we've had some sweet conversations. But um, now when we talk through the window with a phone, it's a little different. I talked to my mom through a window yesterday. Uh, we stopped by to do what? This is a new COVID. Uh, I never heard of this before, a window visit. I did a window visit with my mom, and she was not wearing orange. She was wearing her pink robe. But um, I hope that it was encouraged. But these are, these are interesting times of, of being scattered. And for some of our friends, like my mom, part of, the, of this, that, which is really kind of difficult, is the isolation. Some of you are feeling scatteredness in a different way. I'm thinking of our teachers. I greeted one on the way in. And this is a time like no other, right, as, as we're teaching. And it's not so much the isolation. It's the uncertainty. Like, okay, so how am I supposed to do this tomorrow? And who's going to show up tomorrow? It's, it's, it's uh, not, that, not that there aren't some good things happening. I don't want to be Mr. Doom and Gloomer. I mean, I ran into one of our principals uh, during the week, and I said, so how's it going? He said, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. Not always easy. He said, but some of our kids, for the first time, are in a classroom with just nine or ten of them and their teacher, and they haven't been in this relationship before, and so that's going kind of good, but it's not always going kind of good, especially for some of our kids who are getting taught by their mom or their grandma at home, and mom or grandma was, uh, didn't plan to be their kid's teacher as well. But you know, God's in all of this, and, and he'll get us through this, and we know he'll get us through this. But if, but if you're like, uh, like many of us are, there's, a, there's an underlying sense of, of uncertainty, and so to think of ourselves as feeling a bit scattered is not a stretch. So what is God thinking of us? I'm going to take us back, before we look at this letter, to a conversation Jesus had with his friend Peter. Peter was a, he's as close as anybody was to Jesus when, when he was here. The 12 disciples spent a ton of time, but every once in a while, Jesus would take three of them, including Peter, for these moments when he wanted to show them something. Later, they would realize what he was showing them and why it was so important what their role would be. But in the meantime, they were just disciples of Jesus, following Jesus, trying to learn of Jesus, uh, watching what he did and going, wow, and listening to what he said and going, huh, and trying to process this over about a three-year period. But this is hugely important and wonderful because today we are going to hear the words written by a man who did that. He was with Jesus because Jesus called him to himself. Jesus called him to himself. He experienced some amazing moments. He himself got to experience some moments, like when he walked on the water. That was pretty cool. But he also 
experienced some soul-crushing moments, like when Jesus was being taken in to be tried and, and Peter denied that he ever knew Jesus. That was not a high point. That was awful. And so after Jesus was falsely accused and tried and crucified and rose from the dead, Peter saw Jesus die after denying him, and he saw Jesus in his resurrection glory. And Jesus had a word for Peter. In fact, in the last um, part of, of, of the Gospel of John, in the last chapter, we have this amazing conversation between Peter and Jesus. And I used to think it was mainly about Jesus restoring Peter. But listen to this, because Jesus is thinking of you. He's thinking of you in this conversation with Peter. Reading from uh, John chapter 21, beginning with verse 15. When they had finished eating, they were by the Sea of Galilee, they were eating fish cooked over a campfire, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said again, feed my, Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Let me ask you a question. Who are Jesus' sheep? Who are Jesus' lambs? Who was he talking about? Was he talking about those first Christians that would come into the kingdom of God like through Peter's preaching and Paul's preaching? Yeah. But he's talking about you. He was talking about me. And in this letter, Peter is going to be writing to first century Christians, but that letter would become part of the Bible, the word of God. You know why? Because what God poured into Peter's life, Peter not only poured into the people who read the letter, he pours it into our lives. He wants us to be fed. He wants us to be taken care of. He cares about scattered sheep. Between now and, and after Thanksgiving, the season of Advent, as we uh, move into that, we're going to take some time and look at this letter that was written to bring encouragement to the scattered. And I think God has something really, really good for us to think about. We're thinking about a lot of things these days that, well, I would say they're not really, really good. <laughs> they're anxiety-based, they're doubt-based, they're fear-based. But God has something he would like us to think about, that during these uncertain times, there are some things that are so sure and so certain and so true, and yet they're so easy to forget. God's going to remind us about those things through Peter's letter, so I hope you're encouraged. This morning, we're going to take a look at the first 12 verses of a letter we call 1 Peter. And, and we're going to read it in sections, and we're just going to stop and kind of think, wow, really, is this what God has for us? as we go through this together this morning. We're going to begin with verses 1 through um, one, 1 and 2, and they, they go like this. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, he self-identifies in relationship to Jesus Christ. He had been a disciple to learn the ways of Jesus. He was now an apostle. He had been sent out to declare the good news of Jesus. And in the process, some of what he did was, was captured in letters 
And we get to read this letter because it's for us. To God's elect, exiles scattered through the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit, to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. We, are, we see here that, that, our, that your identity, our identity as children of God, is something that, that God determined himself that we would receive and enjoy. This was his idea. He brought it to us. Now, there are some fighting words here in this first, but I mean fighting words. They make Christians argue a lot about them. What does it mean to be elect? What does it mean to be chosen? What does it mean that God foreknew us, foreknowledge? These are predestination words, and believe me, Christians spend a lot of energy trying to figure out predestination. All I want to say this morning is that your salvation was God's idea. He decided how to do it, and he decided how to bring it to us. And we should be profoundly grateful because when you struggle with with insecurity and struggle with doubt, and you think it has to do with your part in this, good luck with that because the enemy will beat the tar out of you. He can come up with lots of reasons that you shouldn't be secure in your faith if it depends on you. But no reasons that you shouldn't be secure in your faith if it depends on God. If this relationship with him was not only reaching down from heaven and hoping you take his hand, but reaching down from heaven and taking your hand. Taking your hand. To God's elect. So they're going to... I think we're kind of aware that we have an election coming up, right? Just a little bit of talk about an election. And we can be grateful that we live in a country where we get to vote for our leaders. But in the kingdom of God, it's not about us voting for our leader. It's about our leader choosing us. Our leader choosing us, welcoming us into the family. And he can do that for a bunch of folks like us, sinners though we be. Because he does that in Christ Jesus. He looks at us in light of what Jesus has done for us. He looks at us in in terms of, of who Jesus is for us. In fact, he delights in Jesus actually coming to dwell in us. God foreknew us. And there's this beautiful uh, picture of this here. The foreknowledge of God the Father, the sanctifying work of the Spirit, that we might be obedient to Jesus and sprinkled with his blood. You guys, we would not know any of this unless God who has done this reveals it to us. Foreknowledge of God the Father, the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit. What does it mean to be sanctified? It means to be set apart for God's own purposes. It means to be set apart for God's own purposes. And then to be obedient to Jesus Christ. We have been freed from being our own Lord. And we now have been given the privilege of humbly and joyfully serving the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And in the process, he sprinkles the blood of the covenant on us. This morning, we're going to receive the body and blood of Jesus. He understands that in this journey, again and again, we will need to be reminded of what he did to make this covenant, this, this relationship possible with him. It's amazing. God's elect, those who have been chosen by God to be his own, and that's you as a believer in Jesus Christ to exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia. Those are in what is today Turkey. 
Back then, it would have been called Asia Minor. That's where the gospel kind of make it, made its first inroads. After what Jesus said, you're going to go from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the ends of the earth. The gospel had made it now to Asia. And there were little pockets of Christians in these communities. And they were never a majority people in those communities. They were minority, uh, minority uh, communities. They were salt and light. And because of that, at, at times they were misunderstood like Christians are today. Not everybody has it as easy as we do, being a follower of Jesus. Some pay quite a price to be a follower of Jesus. Some of you say, well, try living in my family. I'm a first-generation Christian. My family thinks I'm weird. <laughs> they give me a hard time because I follow Jesus. Well, your heavenly Father cares about that. So we can be exiles in different ways. An exile basically is someone who has an address that is not really her home or his home. No matter where we live, because of who we are in Jesus, our address is in heaven. And so we're here for a while as exiles. We're living in a place that is not our permanent home. So do you get this? The first century Christians felt that in their way. We feel it in our way. And Jesus said to Peter, you take care of my sheep. You feed my sheep. They're going to need me. And I'm going to send you to speak on my behalf. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. So first we have an identity determined by God himself. And then we have a living hope as sure as Christ's resurrection. Listen to these words. Praise be to the Father, God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Interesting. Peter here writes about salvation. I <coughs> excuse me. I don't know what you think about when you think about salvation. I think about the cross. I think that Jesus died for my sins so that they could be taken away and God will not punish me for my sins one day because Jesus bore the punishment for my sins so I was saved from my sins. Is that true? Sure, it's true. It's wonderful. But there's more. Peter says here, when, when we think about an inheritance, inheritance kept in heaven for you, that's part of your salvation too. You've been saved from your sin. You've been saved to a glorious future. And in the meantime, you are living out that salvation and into that salvation by the power of God. This is amazing. And there's times we don't even think about this. There's other times we think about it a lot. My extended family thought about it a lot yesterday. My extended family gathered on the north shore of Pebble Lake in this beautiful park because it, it, it makes no sense to us. It happened so suddenly, it happened so violently, and it happened so senselessly. An out-of-control young man slammed into the car of my cousin Steve and his wife Diane in Fergus Falls last weekend. And in a moment, this loved mom and dad and grandma and grandpa were gone from here, gone from here, leaving this gaping hole in in, in their families' hearts. This is so hard. Really hard. But I'll tell you, there was hope there amidst the sadness, and it was addressed, because it should be. 
Because I'm going to see Steve, Steve and Diana again someday. You know why? Because Jesus rose from the dead. And God has declared, I didn't figure this out. I'm not making this up. God has declared that when Jesus rose from the dead, that means all who believe have been given new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus. That's God's declaration to you that death will not have the last word in your life as a child of God. That you have a living hope that's as sure as Christ's Christ's resurrection. So no matter how you're scattered, that's not the last word about you. In the midst of uncertain times, think of those things that are uncertain. I'm a member of a scattered family right now. And, 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 and Fergus, is a, Fergus Falls is a scattered community because Steve and Diane were salt and light in that place. But death is not going to have the last word. It's not going to have the last word in your life either as a believer in Jesus Christ. We have a certain identity. We have a certain hope. And this is... We have a purpose in suffering. Be really careful when you try to diminish people's suffering by saying, oh, you know, this is a blessing from God that you're suffering. It might be, but don't say that right away. Right? I mean, which of us has learned anything of value during times of affluence and comfort? At least in terms of our souls, our faith. I mean, we might have a good time, but our faith typically isn't growing when we're having a good time. You think of the moments where you realize how much you need God. You realize how wonderful is love where you reached out to him. Often those are in times of suffering. We reach the end of ourselves, which leaves us looking for more. And we turn our hearts towards God, towards Jesus, towards heaven. Peter says here, In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. How would you like to have a bucket full of gold right now? Or faith? You say, honestly, Pastor Jeff? Like a bucket full of gold or faith? How about a thousand years from now? Which one's going to be more valuable? Your faith is the most valuable thing you have. It honestly is. And what Peter is saying, you guys, this may seem terrible because it is terrible, but there is a hidden blessing in this. God is, is strengthening your faith during this time. So it's, it's possible even to say in, in a time like this, when, when you're suffering, that, that God is even in this in a way because when at the end of the day, your faith is what lays hold of all the promises of God. So don't despair. We're going to look more at, at, the, at the role of suffering in this letter because he's writing to people that were going through a, through a series of trials. We're going to learn that the suffering is something that God uses to strengthen our faith, although we don't like it, and we don't, we don't look for suffering, and we don't celebrate suffering, but God is with us in the suffering. We're going to also understand that suffering is a witness, that, that, that a world that is aching and broken, where suffering seems to have the last word. When they see people who go through suffering, but they have something about their bearing going through suffering that is amazing. And people wonder why. Your suffering at times will be a witness to the presence of Jesus in you. And it's also an opportunity to even more further identify 
with, with your Savior. Our Savior who suffered and rose again from the dead. So is it, a, is it any mystery that there's times when we're going to suffer before we experience the resurrection? This isn't a huge shock. So there's a purpose in suffering. We aren't left to, certainly we're left with questions. And all the questions aren't going to be answered here. But you see, even when we're living with questions, we can say, I'm not going to trust God till I understand. Or I'm going to trust God until that day he helps me understand. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the certainty of things not seen. It's interesting that just before that conversation that Jesus and Peter had in John, Jesus had appeared to them, and, and, and he said to, to Thomas, who said, I won't believe in, that Jesus is alive till I stick my finger in the wounds of his hand and put my hand in the wound in his side. <laughs> Jesus showed up, and he showed up to him. Okay, Peter, put your finger here. <laughs> or excuse me, Thomas. And you know what he said? You, Thomas, you believe because you've seen me. Blessed are those who have not seen me and still believe. So Jesus says that we have a faith that results in the salvation of our souls, a faith in one that we, well, I'll read this. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you don't see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy for you're receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. (laughs) Your soul was there in your mother's womb Your soul has been a part of you as you've gone through all the ups and downs and lessons of life, and your soul will live on into eternity. And and Peter is saying to these scattered people, you know what, your souls are safe in the care of God. There are a lot of things that you don't understand, but this is certain. That your faith is valuable gift from God which came alive in you when you received the gospel. This results in the salvation of your soul. So this morning, as we, as we uh, begin this time in this, uh, this wonderful letter, may God speak into our hearts those things that are certain and true in a time when so many things around us are not. When we feel scattered, may we remember that he cares that we feel scattered. And when he said to Peter, take care of my sheep, he was thinking of you and me. And this is more than just a religious literature. This is a letter written by Peter, inspired by God, that we might benefit from it. During this time of suffering, and we probably are experiencing that in in different ways, some of us more profoundly than others, may we remember that God is with us in our time of suffering, especially in our time of suffering, even when our souls feel scattered. Let us pray. Father, this morning we are so grateful for your word. You said, uh, Peter would later say that the prophets who told us that this was coming asked a lot of questions about the gift of life that God was preparing. That the spirits, uh, the Messiah's spirit let them in on some of it that the Messiah would experience suffering followed by glory. They clamored to know who and when they were prophesying about. All they were told was that they were serving you, who by orders from heaven have now heard for yourselves. Through the Holy Spirit, the message of the prophecies fulfilled. Peter wrote to those first Christians, do you realize how fortunate you are? Angels, have, would have given anything to be in on this. 
But when we have been called to this life of faith, we have been called into something wonderful. The angels didn't need the salvation that we needed because we've sinned. (laughs) But that didn't stop you from making us your own. So this morning, as we think about the price you paid, that we might be at peace with you, that we might have a sense of certainty that it is well, it is well with our souls, in spite of the circumstances that are not well right now. We thank you that you are a loving God, that you are a saving God, that you are strong, and that you are kind, and that you are real, and you are with us this morning. Prepare prepare our hearts now as we come to your table. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning, we're so glad all of you have joined us. We may be different places in life. Some of us may uh, be believing, and we've believed for a long time. Some of us may just be here seeking. I wonder if Christianity is for me. Some of us may have maybe just kind of slipped, turned away a little bit. So what's communion for? Well, it's, it's for believers, but it's not a reward for the righteous. It's a provision for sinners. And so this morning, as you think about, am I going to commune today? That's a question between you and God. I, you needn't be a member of this church to commune. What God asks is this, that you are aware of your need for a Savior and that you desire what he's done for you in Jesus. You believe You believe that Jesus died for the sins of the world, including you. And so you are gratefully receiving today what he has done for you. That he might uh, grant you the peace that he won for you when he died for your sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Just as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your your ancestors ate manna and died, but whoever feeds on me, feeds on this bread, will live forever. Father, we give thanks and praise you for your beloved Son, Jesus Christ. Through him you created all things. He was sent to be our Savior. He took on flesh and lived among us. He opened wide his arms for us on the cross, putting an end to death that we might receive new life. Lord, grant that by your word and the power and help of the Holy Spirit that as we receive your body and blood, would you assure us once again the forgiveness of all our sins because you have declared it so? Would you strengthen us by your presence in us? So we humbly receive the benefits of this table and we offer you our spiritual sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving in the name of Jesus our Lord who taught us to pray our Father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever.